the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, with your co-hosts, Ed Lay and Thomas Mulhern, this is Global Denmark. We recently had the pleasure of sitting down with Brian Woodward, journalist, filmmaker, branding expert, and partner of Struling Woodward Communications. In this wide-ranging conversation, we explored a variety of themes, including what is the key to branding Denmark? What is it about the values and the people that can attract global talent to Denmark? The myth of getting by with just English? How Denmark can work with expats that are here coincidentally because of repats? and what Denmark can do better to create a unified brand architecture. Without further ado, we bring you Brian Woodward. I am here as always with my co-host Ed Lee and our guest today, Brian Woodward. Brian, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing good. I just got back from a couple weeks of vacation in Los Angeles, so uh, it's always nice to come back from the sunshine and the beach. Absolutely. Yeah, well, welcome back to the uh, the snows of May. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, I want to dive right in. You work with communications and branding, and I want to hear, what is the key to branding Denmark? Yeah, it's a big question. You know, I think that when we talk about branding Denmark, we're talking about kind of within the discipline of marketing, we're talking about something called place branding. And that usually consists kind of of three things. It consists of tourism. How do we get more tourists to come to Denmark? It consists of kind of economic development, or how do we get companies to invest in Denmark? And it consists of talent attraction. How do we attract people to come to Denmark that can contribute to the business life or cultural, social life of the country? So there's kind of the three legs that are often used to brand a country. How do we do that in Denmark? It's, it's a good question. Um, I have worked over the last 10 years or so with a lot of the talent attraction part. And this has involved uh, interviews. I've interviewed probably over 100 different people who've come to work in Denmark and ask them, what is it about this country that you like? What is about this country you don't like? What would you like to see done differently? And through that process, we've made a number of films, and I've written a lot of articles for different um, organizations here, like Copenhagen Capacity, or International Community in Aarhus, uh, Work Live Stay in Southern Denmark, and so on and so forth, private companies as well. Through that process, I guess you could say I've gotten a lot of insights about what not only theoretically should work, or not what political messages maybe uh, people want to send, but what people really think who've come here. And so I haven't really answered your question yet, but that's kind of the background for what my answer is going to be based upon, and I think probably what we'll talk a little bit about today. I think that when it comes to branding Denmark, the thing Denmark should really um, continue to work on, because done it to a certain degree, are two things, the values of this country and the people. And I say that because if I were branding a place like Silicon Valley, it wouldn't necessarily be the values and the people. It would be more maybe the job opportunities. Or if I were branding a place like New York City, it might be the architecture or the excitement of living in that big city. Or if it were Paris, it might be something else. But I think the thing that Denmark can really do are the values of this country and the people. 
And what are the key values? So this is interesting because I've gotten a number of um, assignments or jobs in working with different uh, organizations. Let me just call it that. And they say, you know what, uh, could you go out? We want you to make a film about how great it is to be an IT worker in Denmark because we want to, uh, we want to attract either IT professionals or we want to attract IT businesses to Denmark. And I say, sure. So I go out and I do interviews with a bunch of people that work in IT in Denmark. And um, inevitably they say to me, they, they always say the same things. Why do you like to live? Why do you work in Denmark? Why do you like to live in Denmark? And the first thing they say is, the work-life balance is awesome. I love it here. They love the flat structure, the flat hierarchy, the leadership models. They love the social welfare system. Pretty much inevitably, that's always what's said. And then I ask them, okay, cool, that's great. That's exactly what the last six people I've talked to said. But what about working IT in Denmark? What's great about that? And then the answer that I inevitably get there is, well, to be honest, IT is IT. I mean, if I were a programmer in Romania, or I were a programmer in Italy, or I were a programmer in Silicon Valley, the content of the work would essentially be the same. Hmm. But what makes the difference here to me is that I can have time with my family, and I can still have a career where I'm not looked down upon because I go home at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and don't sit and do pseudo work, as it's now so popularly called, from, you know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon until 7.30 p.m. Brian Dennis, Denmark. Yeah, exactly, to make, uh, to make my boss happy. You know what I mean? That's what people like. Before you're asked to go out and, uh, and ask these questions, what is the expectation? What does Denmark assume you're going to come back with? What? Yeah, great question. A lot of times, and I think that this is because when I do this, it's often in a commercial context. So I'm getting paid to make a film about branding Denmark. Sure. To attract talent. To attract talent. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of cooks in the kitchen sometimes. And people say, yeah, but you know, you've got to get them to say something about how great it is to do IT in Denmark. Because we, we have this IT cluster here that is excellent at doing gaming or something. You know what I mean? And I think the expectation sometimes is is that I come back with or or we come back more with more material where people are saying to us, "Oh, you know, I can program games here in ways that I never could in Silicon Valley or you know what I mean there's like some kind of something about the environment here, but it's pretty rare that I get that. There's one exception. Denmark has a number of different kind of professionals they're trying to attract specifically. Sure. And there's one exception to that and that's doctors. The doctors who I have spoken with, and Denmark has a shortage of doctors, particularly GPs, general practitioners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're trying also to attract a lot of GPs to this country. And the ones that I've talked to invariably say that there is a difference in the work in that they're not worked as hard here. They have more time with patients. They feel that they can do their work in a more, they can do more quality work as doctors. You know what I mean? Sure. So doctors, uh, that's kind of the one exception. They've said to me that, um, that they, they, can, they can tell that there's a kind of a professional difference in the work that they do. But for the most part, engineers, IT people, to some degree even communications and marketing people that I've spoke with, have said, you know, if I did it here, I did it somewhere else, it would be the same. Yeah. But the difference are the values of the society here and the people in the country. That's what really make this country great. And what about the people make it great? I think that there's uh, probably this um, egalitarianism. You know what I mean? As much as we complain about um, the so-called Yenta law, the law of Yenta, 
right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or we're all equal. And the positive side of that is that there's a, a high degree of egalitarianism. It's a pretty informal country, and people really like that. I did a film one time with some people, and they said to me, you know what I love? I love the fact that the crown prince and crown princess, they ride in one of those bikes, you know, with all their little kids in the, in the little <laughs> basket there in the front, you know what I mean? One of these Christiania bikes. And I watch them pull up to the, to the daycare center and they take the kids out one at a time, just like all us other parents, you know. I mean, can you imagine, like, Prince Harry doing that? Like, that would just never happen, right? I mean, for good reason. I mean... No but, kids. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> no, okay, there you go. Almost. They're coming. They're on the way. They're on the way. No, but, but, but there is that level of... But, you know, you see sec- Prince Charles security taking this back in yeah. the day, right, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But that, that trust, that security, uh, yeah. that, that openness. yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you're you're saying. And I think that's what what they like about the people, and that's what they mean by it. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. And and do you think that when we talk about branding, staying on message, do you think Denmark's staying on message? Are they are they having a unified effort on staying on brand to maximize this effort? Yeah, well, this is a good, really good question because I think one of the things I I think, and again, I'm speaking kind of from practical experience and from a person who works with this stuff. But one thing I think Denmark could do better is, and there have been some efforts to do this, but they could do an even better job of it, and that is to create a little bit more of a unified national branding strategy. So right now, and I think this has to do with the funding and political decision-making and so on, but right now, Copenhagen Capacity is doing their thing. International Community Arvus is doing their thing. The people around Bidlund are doing their thing. A lot of the companies are kind of doing their own thing. Regional efforts. There's regional efforts. So there's a lot of players. There's a lot of actors who are, you know, trying to do this stuff. And they're kind of operating to a certain degree in in their own bubble. There has been some cooperation, and I I, I don't want to take away from that. But, But I think that there could be more of that, and there could be more of a really unified what we call brand architecture in the business that says this is what we want to say about Denmark and this is how we're going to do it and we're going to speak to the world in this way and everybody pretty much does it that way that would be kind of the ideal way to do it anyway and then you have the ideal and there's lots of practical things you have to right and there's a reality do you know what I mean yeah yeah absolutely but um but that's one thing I think that could be done perhaps better yeah because you know we we hear all the time you know, one thing is having these regional efforts, but the minute you step out of Denmark, you know, we, we were talking off air, you're lucky if people can place anything other than Copenhagen or Denmark on a map yeah. or even identify where it's at. The further you get away from being in the Danish bubble, you realize, wow, we need to have a solid brand because it's a big world out there. Yeah. It, it really is, you know what I mean? And, and people don't know the difference between southern Jutland and Aarhus and... And in fact, most of, the, most of the expats I've spoken with, when I ask them, what interested you in Denmark? What were the messages that really made you say, yeah, I want to come to Denmark? Most of them have said to me, it had nothing to do with Denmark. I came to Denmark because I wanted to work at Lego. Or I came to Denmark because I wanted to work for Maersk. Like, they came to work for companies. Do you know what I mean? And then there's a lot of them who have said to me when I say, you know, what made you come work at Vestas in Jutland? And they say to me, well, I ask, you know, where was it? And they say, oh, it's three hours from Copenhagen. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, cool. It's like a suburb of Copenhagen. <laughs> but, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. world's perception of Denmark is very different sometimes than, than the perception yeah, yeah. of Denmark has of itself to the world. Um, and in fact, 
a lot of the people I've spoken with, including my friends and not only the people I've interviewed and stuff, oftentimes don't even really see Denmark as a thing. They see Scandinavia. Like you say, you know, they want to go work up in the Scandinavian countries. Mm. So they see it almost as like this regional thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Denmark is very much sees itself as lots of separate islands, right? And and different island sort of mentalities. But even the most educated people I know in the UK know that uh, Denmark is one island that speaks Dutch. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. And, the, and the, where Amsterdam's the capital. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that definitely shows the branding challenge, that you're trying to attract people to a place based upon yeah. values and people and create an understanding, first of all, and then have a, a unified brand architecture like you called it. But they all know work-life balance, right? It's interesting. Like I said at the beginning, I had just been, I've just been in Los Angeles, and um, I lived there for several years, so I was with a bunch of friends. And we talked about my life, and, you know, I've lived in Denmark now for 15 years. And, you know, they say to me, uh, oh, yeah, Denmark, yeah, that's, a, that's next to Luxembourg, and the capital is Amsterdam or something. Like, yeah, right, they have no idea. They couldn't point to it on a map. But then in the very next breath, they say to me, and isn't that the place where there's free childcare and where you get paid to go to school and where you can get a free university education all the way up to PhD? Like they know the things that are important to know about Denmark. You know what I mean? They may not know what the language is or what the capital is or what the, but they know these, these values. They know these these important things. So it's a good, it's a good start. So it's about merging the values that they're aware of to the place that they need to come to to be able to. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's that's to get one those way of values and benefits. Yeah. yeah, that could be one way of saying it. I think. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you work a lot, obviously, with branding and trying to get global talent. But we know that the the labor market's changing. That the traditional expatriate assignment, where you'd bring in a worker and maybe the family for a six-year contract. That's changing now. It's more freelance, project based. How does that affect branding and communication, and you know, working with this this group? Yeah, really good question. Yeah, it's a tough one. How, how do I how do I answer that? The the, the change in uh, it's kind of like the gig economy. That's what you're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, the thing. One thing I could be a little bit afraid of is that those people never set their feet in Denmark. They get an assignment and they do it virtually, and that's just kind of going to be the way that that goes. I think one of the challenges politicians are going to have to figure out is how do we get those people in here how can we fast track them pay tax how can we get them to pay some taxes i mean you guys know this and i'm sure the people listening to this podcast know this but we foreigners in denmark are really good business we earn a lot of tax money take myself i came here as a 30 year old i'm 46 today the last 16 years i've lived here and i've paid a lot in taxes i've paid my membership dues that's what i always say right I never went to daycare here. I never went to elementary school here. I never got my university education. Like, I, I'm such an idiot, right? Let me tell you how much of an idiot I am. <laughs> this is how much of an idiot I am. Yeah. I did all my stuff over in the U.S. Yeah. I financed my student loans. and I, I did all that crap over there, so I got to pay for that. And now I'm getting to pay for, you know, taxes <laughs> on all this. You, know, do, do you see what I mean? Like, this yeah. is a really bad business. I'm not good with money. <laughs> um, that's not what I'm good with, but we're good business for for Denmark. So yeah, it is important, you know, with this with these shifting things. I think maybe giving some kind of a indication that hey, we do the gig economy here. You can come here, you can work on a project, and you know, what I mean, opening opening that up. Yeah, 
it's big. I've read a study, uh, DEA came out with it in 2016, that I think the average net income that a highly educated expat provided was 175000 Danish kroner per year, mm-hmm. positively to the Danish mm-hmm. state, mm-hmm. and 225000 for a family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the data backs up. Exactly what you're saying there. There's lots of studies it's that show it. Good for business in Denmark. Yeah, it, there's lots of studies that show that for yeah. sure. So um, yeah, how do we do that? How do we brand? You know, based on that, and there, there's some other big branding challenges as well. Uh, the world economy is shifting more and more east. I think that's going to be a big one. You know, how do we attract talent from China and from Japan? I mean, it's been hard enough getting kind of Western foreigners here. You know what I mean? When we get over to that, how are we going to? How are we going to tackle that one? Another big trend I, th- I see happening is um, kind of is the same thing as the gig economy, but a lot of research and development is no longer being done by big companies. So they're buying it. They're buying it from smaller companies or they're buying up smaller companies to do this. You know what I mean? And how do we get those people to Denmark, you know, once that becomes more and more of a reality? So, you know, there, there are some things that really need to be addressed. I think it's definitely on the, the political radar for sure. I'm, I'm not in doubt about that. And that's because unemployment is very low in Denmark. Yeah. So there simply aren't enough people to do the work that needs to be done. So they know that we got to go out and get people. And that's both for highly educated jobs and for maybe not so, uh, you know, more, more kind of labor jobs. And There's three of us already here, right, in the, the gig economy. But why don't you talk about a little bit about your your introduction to the country and, and how that went and, and how you found integration and, and, and finding work and, and, and all of those things? You know, I think um, I'm, I'm a pretty um, classic story. I know a lot of expats, obviously, in Denmark because I'm kind of in the community, you know what I mean? And one thing I think I can say is that there's a lot of talent that's in Denmark, kind of coincidentally. It's because a lot of these people have met Danes out in the world and the Danes they've met out in the world are kind of movers and shakers. They're people who are, you know, getting higher educations or working for big companies in, outside of Denmark. And they come here. They come back to Denmark with their spouse or their partner or whatever. And I think there's a huge amount of talent that's already here that could also be mined. And that doesn't really explain my own story, but I'm getting there. Sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. I believe you. Yeah. I'm a good talker. Yeah. My own story is that I met my... Now, ex-wife at uh, graduate school in New York. We were both going to Columbia University. Just, I think, kind of the classic sort of story, you know. We lived over there. We worked over there. We fell in love. We decided that we wanted to start a family. And uh, then we decided that, hey, you know, Denmark's probably a pretty good place to raise kids. A much better place than New York, actually. Right? Yeah, that's one of the messages that, that I hear a lot from expats. It's a great place to raise kids. You know, I had a pretty decent job when I lived in New York. Uh, I made by all standards, pretty okay money. If I were to have had a family there, I would have had to live an hour and a half outside the city. I would have commuted almost all the time. I would have worked crazy hours so my kids could go to a subpar public school and I could just pay for their child care. You know what I mean? So again, work-life balance. It was. It it really means something. It really does, you know, and it's just small things too. I remember one of the things at the time my wife said to me was, we lived in New York, and she was looking around, and she said, you know, I don't understand. They don't have those rails down to the subway. And I had no idea what she was talking about, right? Yeah, and I'm like, what do you mean they don't have those rails down to the subway, right? <laughs> well, then I came to Denmark, and I figured out that what she meant was, you know, the little tracks for the, um, for the baby carriages, for the, 
You know what I mean? So you can get them up and down out of the steps. Yeah, they don't have that. No, of yeah. course they don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the poor kid gets dunk, 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 yeah, yeah. down the stairs when you take them up and down. It's, it's kind of a goofy uh, anecdote, but it just goes to show that things are just, things just work here. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. for families and for, and that was something I never even considered. But we talked about it. We came here because of the work-life balance, because of the opportunities to both have a life and a family. That was 15 years ago. You know, things happen in life, and we kind of have gone our separate ways. But we have two great kids together, and I'm a lifer. You know what I mean? It's like I often say, you know, you get married and come to a Dane, and you come to Denmark, and you're in Denmark. And when you divorce a Dane, then you're in Denmark forever. Like, you're for here forever, and I'm here forever. So you were obviously attracted to Denmark, like many good people through love. You arrived in Denmark. You had an education in journalism. What could you do with an English journalism degree when you got to Denmark in that market? Um, again, you know, it's not just to be self-deprecating, but that was also a pretty idiotic move, right? Because I came to a non-English-speaking country, and I'm educated in a language-based uh, discipline, right? So, uh, so it was tough. I, I had to kind of find something else to do. Fortunately, I, I had some experience in the advertising and branding world, and um, <coughs> That was kind of where I could, you know, I figured out that's kind of where I could do my thing. But it took me a while. It took me um, about a year, a little over a year to get a job to start with. It was a little different at that time. And, you know, I think at that time, especially there was a very big difference between Aarhus and Copenhagen, which isn't there anymore. But at that time, people just didn't really know what to do with me because I couldn't speak Danish. And I lived in Aarhus. I applied for one job in Copenhagen. I got it. But we couldn't move over here. My wife wanted to live over there. So... So I had a hard time getting a job, but uh, eventually I did, and it wasn't within the field. It was within the software field, but that gave me a couple years to get into Danish culture, get into a Danish workplace, get some practical experience, get a job on the resume, and learn Danish. And then after that, I was able to come back to, to doing what I do today. And do you think learning Danish was important for you, building up a network or being here? Or? Yeah, I mean, I would say this, the most important thing about coming to this country, and this, I think, maybe surprises a lot of Danes especially, that is that you have to learn Danish if you want to have a good quality of life in Denmark. And it's a hard message to give because I know a lot of people say otherwise, and they say, hey, Danes speak perfect English, and it's true. Danes speak very good English. But you got to think about quality of life. When you go to a dinner party, when you're out in society... People will speak to you in English, and it's transactional English. Or it's, you know, the first two minutes of the conversation is in English, and then you kind of run out of things to say. I had, like, this elevator pitch about myself, you know, that's, uh, that, you know <laughs> uh, where I come from and when, how long I've been in Denmark and da da And as soon as those questions were asked, where do we go from there? Yeah. Five hours later, you say goodbye, and that was it. Yeah, then that was it. Then they switched to Danish and start speaking again. The reality of the world that we live in is people speak the language they're comfortable speaking. At dinner parties, around the water cooler at work, that's where the meat, that's where the calories of life are. You know what I mean? In those kind of situations. I think a lot of expats I've talked to have been a little bit, felt a little bit misled. Because people have said, particularly Danes, hey, we all speak great English. You come and you'll have no problem. And it's not true. The French are much more honest in this way. They say, you come to France and you speak French, man. That's what we do here, right? <laughs> but it's more honest. Yeah. It's tough love. Yeah. But it's true. If you want to live here and you really want to do it, you've got to say, hey, I'm going to buckle down and learn Danish. I think it's one of the things that's really important. It's really an interesting signal because the Danish government recently cut public funding for Danish language courses in mid-2018. 
and they're sending you know conflicted signals that they both want to recruit and retain global talent. But you know, just back to your point, learn Danish on your own. Maybe it seems like that there's not a a good brand message out there that we want you to learn it. It's important, and we'll we'll help you then. Yeah, exactly. And things that are done politically like that, I mean. They also make a difference. I told the story about my friends in Los Angeles who said all these great things about Denmark. There was one that said, oh, yeah, isn't that the place where they take jewelry from uh, refugees who are coming to the country as well? And I was like, oh, no, that was, that was Holland. <laughs> right? But you're right. I mean, actions are, and that's what we say in the, in the communication world. I mean, what matters most is what you do, not what you say. That really is the first and most important thing. I think that's yeah. a, a great time to uh, to have a short pause and then we'll be back with a quick fire round shortly. We are back with our quick fire round. The questions will be quick fire. Your answers certainly don't need to be. What habits, routines or rituals do you do every day that... Uh... The thing I love to do is play music because I think it gives me... Uh, little bit of a time to kind of just turn off my brain and do something and um, how do you mean play music listen to or instrument? yeah play play guitar oh, cool. yeah six string uh six string yeah six string acoustic yeah i'm uh, if i could do anything in the world i would be a country and western singer i would love to i, I want the life that bradley cooper has to do with my life right <laughs> But I came to Denmark, so I can't do it. Doesn't he kill himself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> it didn't end well. Spoiler. It's ended much better for me. I live in the social welfare state. All is great. But uh, but anyway, I, I have. We well, look a little bit like him. So yeah, I mean, I thanks. Can see, thanks. I can see, yeah, I can see. you know, thank you. That's there's worse there's worse compliments yeah. you can get than that. But just having that hobby, I think you know, uh, something you can kind of pull back and just forget everything and just do your thing. You know, sure. Um, that's really really important. And then you know. Just staying physically fit and working out, doing you know, keep taking care of yourself. I think is uh, is important, and it's easy to do here. I, I like that. Sure, you have time. The work-life balance thing is real, and there's time for it. Brian, have you ever undergone any one event or experience that you credit with a huge leap forward in your performance or in the person you become? Hmm. Yeah. Good question, man. These are really existential. Did you? Did you? We're just getting going. Yeah. <laughs> You're an existential philosopher, aren't you? I remember you told me that one time. Yeah, um, I think when I was in college, there were two things. One is I read uh, I took a semester class in uh, James Joyce. This sounds very like highfalutin, right? But it really isn't. But uh, that just opened my eyes to other ways of looking at the world. You know what I mean? It just blew my mind. Uh, another one was I had a, I had a class uh, in the Bible as literature. And I had this great Jewish professor, and he like we t- we took it from the bottom to the top, the top to the bottom, or whatever you want to call it, right? Old Testament, New Testament. Yeah. And we just studied that book as a, as though it were a work of literature with no religion whatsoever. Mm. And I think just being in that academic environment, maybe that's what it was, just in general. What a great experience, man! You can really just open your mind up. Before that, I wasn't like super super academic, but that just yeah, academia. It's a privilege. To it's really a privilege, man. Yeah. Oh. Gosh, I wish I could go back to school. Yeah, back to school, Brian. <laughs> yeah. What personality trait do you uh, wrestle with most in terms of self-regulation? Self-doubt. What's your biggest motivator, and conversely, demotivator? Hmm. Hmm. 
I think they're maybe one and the same, actually. I think it has to do with the people that I work with, the people I do projects with, and it's crazy because you know I can I can have sometimes do projects that um, at the outset maybe seem a little bit boring or a little kind of bland or, but you know if, if great people are working on them, that really motivates me. I think it's awesome to work with great people, and 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 the opposite. You can get these jobs and just think, hey, this is awesome. This is like the opportunity of a lifetime, and then you realize you're surrounded by assholes. You know. And it's just really super demotivating. Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, I think it has a lot to do with human interaction. Both things can really motivate or demotivate me. I forget what the, the quote is, but it's uh, before you, bef- who the quote is attributed to, but before you d- diagnose yourself as depressed, make sure at first that you're not surrounded by assholes. if you were invited to a dinner party and you could invite two people from history from history live or dead who would you who would you invite and why Uh, I would invite Galileo you know why that guy had balls man he said that the world is a different way than everybody else thought it was and the guy was excommunicated from the church he was almost executed run out of town tarred and feathered and he was right even contradicted Aristotle, didn't he? Yeah, he that guy. He and, and you know the thing that's amazing is is what did he do? He just went out and looked at things. You know what I mean? He just looked at the planets and the stars, and he said, "Well, wait a second. I mean, it's kind of common sense what he figured out. I mean, kind of, right? No, <laughs> but I mean, he made observations, and he just stuck with his, he stuck with his guns, and I think that that's awesome. I would really like to meet that guy." So that would definitely be one. Maybe in, in, in modern times, there's a lot of people I'd like to meet. Um, uh, my, my, my big dream project is to do like a, a you know, in Denmark they did this Jule calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, they make 24 episodes of a program up to Christmas Day, right? Mm-hmm. And that would be to do 24 discussions with all the people from history that I'd like to meet. That would be like my own personal Jule calendar. Yeah. Uh, that, that's like my dream project. That's a nice December. I could uh, have a glass of Gluck and watch that program. Oh, uh, it'd be great, right? But I think maybe in newer times, um, I'm a big fan of Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Uh, I think that the guy was uh, able to kind of do it all. He had the physicality and he had it between the ears and he was a motivator and he was in the right place at the right time. And he was another guy who's... who's, who's Stood up for what he believed in, you know. He he wasn't going to go to Vietnam, and he wasn't going to fight for a country that you know didn't fight for him. And uh, and a lot of people hated him, and you know he pretty much lost everything that he had, and then he got it all back again because people realized he was right. It's a great great book about him uh, by David Remnick, who's the uh, editor of the New Yorker, called King of the World. Mm. If you like sports, if you have anything. You know, interested in American history. It just kind of combines everything. Um, I'd love to have a, I'd love to have a cup of gluck with Muhammad Ali. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Excellent, Brad. What was the best piece of business or life advice you've ever received? I had a journalism professor who said to me, literally, he gave every student a brown paper bag and he said always bring your own lunch because every time somebody buys you a dinner they're trying to they want something from you you know what I mean 
And this is a very sort of surly old journalism professor you can hear. But I framed the brown paper bag and I have it hanging on my wall at work, you know okay. what I mean? Um, and I think more is just a symbol of, you know, think critically. I mean, ask yourself questions about what, you know, when you get into a situation, you know, ask yourself questions about what, why am I here? What do peop these people want from me and why do they want it? And, and that sounds a little skeptical and maybe, but that's kind of the little journalist in me, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think maybe it also has to do with just being a little bit critical. And yeah. Great. What, um, what book or books have you uh, most gifted or been most influenced by King of the World aside? Yeah, gosh, man. You mean of all time? Yep. Oh, man, we're, uh, there's a long list. That's a long list. Gifted um, is, uh, is a really good one because it often narrows it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned James Joyce, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. Yep. That was a, that was a great one, a big one in, in the history of me. Um, single books, the Bible, I mentioned that one too. Yeah. Uh, and not because I'm religious in any way whatsoever, but what a work of literature when you really look at it with those eyes, right? Um, kind of the start and the end of it all for me, really. Yeah. Um, Would you recommend everybody read uh, religious texts? No, with, with not religious texts. I would recommend everybody read it as a cultural canon. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I meant through yeah. an objective lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think it's, I think it should be compulsory. Really, and I think it should be done completely because there's so much culture and there's so much storytelling and there's so much great stuff in there. Um, uh, like I say, really a life-changing experience when I when I read that in that yeah. way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. These are tough questions. You're welcome. Yeah, these are tough <laughs> questions. Um, if I look at my, if I think about what I have on my bookshelf at home, I have a lot of books by um, Ernest Hemingway. Tough reads. Yeah, they're good. That's good <laughs> stuff, though. A uh, book that really influenced me when I was a young guy was this uh, book, uh, Letters to a Young Poet by uh, Rilke. Do you know him? Yeah, yeah. Um, now that one on the shelf at home. Um, gosh, there's a lot. Big fan of John Steinbeck. American literature has yeah. played a big role in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but just in general, uh, I would say I have to say literature. I think there's too little literature that's being read. Yeah. In the world, uh, because that's where the answers are. Yeah. And you know they're not black and white. They're it's in between the lines, but yeah. it's important. And one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. You don't was, think tweets are enough? Ah, well, tweets can be okay. I think working through the classics is a really great thing. It's a great thing, yeah. man. And you know, one of the best things I ever did, and 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 is is I, at some point, dropped studying engineering and I took up English literature, and I'm so happy I did it, even though it's not been the easiest way to make money in in the world. But you know, nothing ever is. But man, I wouldn't trade it. It was the same thing with philosophy with me. Yeah. Everyone, everyone said this is not a great career move, yeah. but I don't regret it one day. Yeah, so, yeah. Fantastic. So just in general. Excellent. Did Did you have a teacher or mentor when you were growing up who had an influence on you? Um, Maybe later on. Yeah, later on for sure. Uh, you know, the guy I mentioned uh, earlier, 
guy, Sandy Padway, who's a well-known professor at Columbia and just a gem of a human being. Um, and surly and grumpy. Those guys was a legend on campus. And he's got the biggest heart. I mean, there's gonna somebody's gonna make a movie about the guy. I'm telling you. Okay. Um, but just a just a guy. Just it just shows that you know. Sometimes people who you think are the grumpiest and most surly are really the ones with the biggest hearts. You know what I mean? He loves people. He believed in me. He believed in me. It must have made a huge difference. It made a huge difference, man. You know, I could feel it that he believed in me. Yeah. And that's what matters. Yeah. So, uh, one last last question uh, before we go. Um, is there anything you would like to, to tell our audience or, um, or tell us when they can find out more about you? Yeah. Okay, let's get to it now. Let, let, let's end this where we started. Let's go back to the branding, okay? All right. I have a little pet peeve. Yeah, okay. I have a little pet peeve I want to talk about. I don't understand. I live in Aarhus, okay? Let's get back to the first step towards branding. I don't understand why Aarhus changed its name from the little A with the little halo on it to Aarhus with the double A. Everybody I talk to, all my friends and family, they say to me, what about the halo A? What happened to the halo A? You know what I mean? And the reason, I guess, that I've heard, at least, that this was done was because Aarhus wanted to be more international. And I say bullshit. If you want to be more international, be more yourself. You know what I mean? And what's more Danish than the bolo, right? So I want to start this new campaign. The first step is called Bring Back the Bolo. Okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to take that make, little... Make the bolo great again. Yeah, we're going to make the bolo great again. And we're going to take the little circle on top of the A there, and we're going to make that into a little rainbow. Because, you know, we've got the art museum over there with the now internationally renowned rainbow. What's that, Aros? That's Aros, yeah. yeah. Wonderful museum. Um, and then what we're going to do is um, we're going to um, hold a huge marathon. We're going to hold a whole weekend, okay? You ever been to Queen's Day in, in Holland? Not yeah, it's now called King's Day because they have a king. They don't have a queen anymore. <laughs> but it's kind of based on, on Queen's Day, which is wonderful. But um, um, we're going to have a whole weekend, and it's going to be a marathon or a half marathon. It's going to end up on the roof of Aarhus, okay? We're going to invite um, the homosexual community from all over the world. It's going to be a gay half marathon. And then what we're going to do at the end of this is we're going to have the world's largest homosexual wedding on top of Aros in the middle of the rainbow. We're going to build a little chapel on top of Aros. Brilliant. <laughs> we're going to invite CNN. There's going to be helicopters and there's going to be photographers and there's going to be like 300,000 people to get married this day and celebrate their love. And what does it say about Denmark? It says that we're a society that's open. It says that we're a society that's progressive. It says that we're a society that has awesome architecture. Can you see it? I'll, I'll take the train over. <laughs> I'm there. It gets you out of Copenhagen. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, that's great. So that's, that's kind of my pet project. So um, let's see if we can make that one happen, and then we'll take the rest of branding Denmark from there. Awesome. <laughs> when you have your uh, Make Aarhus uh, Yo again, send over a couple hats, Dad, and I will we'll, we'll wear them around Copenhagen, no problem. That's right. Bring back the bodo. That's what I say. <laughs> well, Brian, um, I think that's a great place to leave it, and certainly uh, a way you can help Denmark, and Denmark can show off what it has to the rest of the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, is there anywhere our audience can find you on social media or your website or anything? Uh, yeah, I'm out there, man. Brian Woodward, I'm the only one in Denmark. So uh, 
Just Google me. Okay. <laughs> I love being Googled. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll do the optimize your SEO. Get Brian up there. And um, thanks again. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And to our audience, don't forget to jump over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, anything you can do to help our podcast grow, where we are trying to drive conversations to open up Denmark to the world and the world to Denmark. See you next week. Are you getting the most out of your time in Denmark? Pick up your printed copy of the English language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life. 